this is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast that covers all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be. Uh, the gang is back together, folks. Feels like we haven't been all together much very often. And uh, joining us, unlike last week, it's Nate. What's up, Nate? What's up? It's me. I'm Nate. I'm back. Uh, I'm not uh, on route to the holiday celebrations this week. I am, in fact, at home and watching television on the couch. Uh, not a lot going on. Pretty slow getting into the the real meat of the holidays. It's December 1st. Unless you're listening to this uh, when it comes out, in which case it's probably December 2nd in your time zone. Uh, got everybody do your end walker prep, get rid of your belts, uh, make sure that you've, you know, gotten to the next level on all your different jobs because uh, they're going to equalize the experience when you come back from maintenance on Friday. What's up with you, Aaron? Well, I received the uh, booster shot for the COVID vaccine yesterday, and it has made me feel poor today. I've been in poor health today. Uh but I did some light reading, and I understand that uh, you get... This sounds fake. They said that the booster shot gives you 25 times the immunity of the two shots. Yeah, I guess I would uh, be interested <laughs> to know where you read that. I don't know. Just, uh, you know, on that, the internet. Yeah. How, how do you even measure immunity? <laughs> Like the, the immunity measures we see are usually like the, the percentage of people in which it is effective. Uh, yeah. And that's not something you can multiply by 25, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I was just trying to find out like, you know, how effective do they think this booster is or whatever? Uh, and how long do they think it is you know, before it's effective? And yeah. there weren't a lot of answers out there, but they did tell me that it was 25% more Oh, 25% is not the same as 25 times, for one thing. Um, Pretty different things. Uh, I don't know which one. I mean, this is an ongoing problem, of course, that there's no... I was was trying to research it because I had a breakthrough case of COVID, however many, a couple months ago or whatever. So I was like, well, how long does my natural immunity last for? So I know when I should get the booster shot. And it was like, it can last for six weeks to 82 months. (laughs) <laughs> like well that doesn't help me at all so i'm just gonna get it next week yeah 82 months that's that's oddly specific <laughs> yeah well it might have been 72 it definitely ended in a two it was an even number the number of months for sure you should do a podcast called 83 months where you talk about your attempts to catch covid after having a breakthrough case sounds like a uh, Nathan for you TV movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's what's going on with me. Uh, we're also joined. I said we're all together. Uh, Mike Spears is here. Mike, how are you? And how immunized against uh, the novel coronavirus are you? Well, I am not 25% as like, or I am 25% like more likely to get it. I'm getting my booster next week so you know uh you're you're out ahead of me i just it was something that 
I knew I was going to get over this, which is like the worst time of the year for me to get it, to get a booster shot that I know will put me out for a day. But, you know, it is what it is. You go get the booster. But uh, I'm doing all right. You know, I am uh, kind of uh, I, I have like one big like question that I wanted to like ask people when we get partway into the show about something. But uh, I'm doing all right. I hope that you're going to get over the symptoms of the third shot to prevent the novel coronavirus 2019 variant. I hope that you uh, recover well, buddy. I ended up getting uh, the the Pfizer for the third shot as well. I don't know if that's all they had or whatever, but my wife went like a couple of days before and she had gotten Pfizer, but they gave her Moderna for the third shot. And I'm, you know, now she's like a freak show. I don't know what's going to happen to her. So I'm glad that uh, I am a control group within the family. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going J and J and then I'm going Moderna. I mean, I also did. This is exactly what we were talking about. There was also a thing that's like, actually, mixing and matching can really uh, multiply the effectiveness of the vaccines. It's actually better to get them from different manufacturers or whatever, which is, again, that's just, you know, it was probably on, like, the Mayo Clinic website or something. It's like, well, I don't, they didn't cite this to a medical paper, so I don't know what the (laughs) fuck this means. They're just, everybody's making shit up as they go along. But I don't know. I just get the fucking shots, and I I don't yeah. think I've had COVID yet, so I think it's working vaguely. So you, you definitely had COVID in January of last year, coming back from Japan, man. Like, come on. I mean, that is possible that I had COVID then. Uh, but you know, since it's been hot and heavy here in the states, I don't appear to have caught it. So whatever. Um. Okay. Well, this is not a podcast about COVID and the various. Um, immunizations, this vaccinations, I guess. This is a show about All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. We have a Twitter account at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, ya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. We got the individual feed. It's the only feed where you can get everything elite. So type in everything elite on whatever podcast app you use. Uh, or if you go to our Twitter, there's a link tree. You click it, it'll take you right there. Uh, and show you how to do it. So that will be nice and easy. Also, go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating and review. Some little poo-poo pants gave us some bad reviews, so we need all our good friends to give us great reviews. Uh, Many people have recently. What was that little poo-poo pants? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some some people got some some poopy in their pants. Please stop now. You keep keep doing that voice, and I'm going to understand the one-star reviews. I'm I'm with you. Right, yeah. With the poo-poo pants, gentlemen, uh, if that keeps up. Yeah, but I mean, thank you to the people that left us. Nice ones. Uh, a lot of names recognized from Discord and stuff, so that is appreciated. No thank you to the guy who gave us two stars because we don't like MJF. We're actually right. And I do like him a lot of the time. Also, I just seem to notice a lot of people coming around to, to our view of MJF. So, welcome, everyone. Um... Yeah, it's just weird to me. Also, if you like our show, give us a five-star review. If you don't like our show, just shut the fuck up. Don't give us a review at all. But I don't understand a two-star review. Like, just, that's insane. I don't. Honestly, I do. I respect uh, it, actually. I kind of do respect it. I pride myself on having very exact time estimates. You know, if I'm I'm using the microwave, I'm going to set something for 
two minutes and 14 seconds, because I think that's that's more accurate than two minutes, 15 seconds. Just like to be precise. You know, I like to give people precise time estimates. Hey, when are you going to be here? Oh, I'll be there in seven and a half minutes. It's not 10 minutes. It's not five minutes. I like to be as precise as possible. So, uh, you know, I, I two stars is better than one star is what I'm really saying. I am nothing like that. If I tell you I'll be there in 10 minutes, I will be there in probably 25, uh, maybe 20, but not 10 for sure. Yeah, I don't care for that. <laughs> I don't care for it either, but I've just lived this way for so long that I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, also, we have a Patreon. So if you're someone who would give us a five-star review, you might also enjoy giving us $5 and uh, hearing <laughs> some some bonus content that we have over the Patreon. It's the start of a new month. We'll talk a little bit later about some stuff we got planned for the month, uh, but there's going to be a lot of cool stuff over there. And uh, we are a podcast solely supported by our Patreon. So go over there and uh, throw us a few bucks. All right. We like to kick off the show with a little segment we call Elite or Delete. This is where we pick our favorite and least favorite things from this week's episode of Dynamite. Uh, Nate, I'm going to kick it off with you for your Elite pick. What was your favorite thing on Dynamite this week? So I thought this was a strange show. Um, but for the second week in a row, despite all the warts, despite the, uh, occasional nonsense, despite the mixed reactions, the Cody, Cody, the Cody and Andrade feud <laughs> for the second week in a row turns in the best segment on the show and in the main event spot. Uh, this main event, the Atlantis street fight with Cody and Andrade, uh, was nuts. It was crazy wild uh it was nonsense in a good way you had arn shoot falling again uh this time off the ramp you had tablet guy looking jacked with a taser you had andrade with his giant triceps ripping through his shirt you had cody's back coated in some mysterious substance he appeared to be peeling uh and you had a pretty hot Weapons brawl, plunder match, you know, the kind of stuff that they love to do in these main event spots to give you a big gimmick, big stip match to uh, to be a main event, to anchor a show. Uh, Cody getting a mixed reaction again. You do hear the boos louder, as Tony Schiavone pointed out. Uh, but the crowd was with the match the whole way. The crowd sounded pretty down for a large portion of this show to me, but this main event segment, they sounded twice as loud to me uh, as they did throughout the rest of the show. So you have to look at that as a positive either way. Uh, and then Brandy Rhodes <laughs> comes out uh, and they set a table on fire. Uh, they go through the big flaming table uh, and, you know, not a half-assed fire either. That thing was fully flaming. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, Andrade is, I think showing why I've always thought he could be a big star. You know, a lot of people were saying, oh, he just doesn't have it when he came in and, and you know, laid an egg with Matt Seidel. Uh, and they inexplicably put him with Vicky. Uh, but when he comes out here with Jose the Tablet guy, who's a future star in his own right, I think, uh, he just has the star look. He's got the star facial. He's got the star body. He's got the cool moves. He's got the acting like a badass. He's got it all. 
and Cody just, you know, he's going to do these weird operatic Cody melodrama things. He's going to pull props out from under the ring. He's going to have a golden shovel, uh, taking, taking a shot at a recently deceased man in triple H. Um, yeah, it was, it was the best thing on the show. It was the, it was the one thing on the show that really felt like it had that AEW hot feel to it. So Nate, the, the thing that I was like, I, I was going to hold off to get into, you immediately got into it. I don't know if it's a weird split feed thing where maybe one of the feeds was not picking up a crowd mic, but one of the ones wasn't. But I was talking to Aaron during the show and I felt like I was a crazy person because the crowd sounded fine to me. Like I've heard the crowd throughout the show, but you're right. Like the crowd really did get up for this main event here. And I, I don't know what was like the deal. Like someone in the discourse talking about there being a fan that you could hear and that's all you could hear because the crowd was bad. I thought the crowd was pretty solid. Like it wasn't like a molten crowd, but I thought the crowd wasn't embarrassing, but yeah, just, I, I I did just to comment on that. I I also saw a lot of uh, I saw your comment on that. That might be the case, uh, but I did see a lot of people on the timeline just saying, you know, hey, this crowd is really dead. Um, I will say the fight feed went out, totally went out, went to like the black color test, not black, the color test bars. Um, so like they they actually lost the feed during the Cody match. Uh, so I, hey, I don't, it's possible they came back and they fixed the sound, and that's why I heard it so much louder in the main event. Um, but yeah, it was it was for sure a noticeably quieter than usual crowd. I thought, and, but I will say, you know, I didn't look into the crowd and say, oh, well, you know, I see everybody standing on their feet and going ape shit, so I don't understand why I don't hear them. Um, you know, I, I looked in the crowd and I saw, you know, a handful of people cheering and yelling, and a lot of people just kind of sitting there. So hard to say. Yeah. But it just was one of those things that I felt like that I was a crazy person. Aaron kind of felt like the same way, at least through his feed. So it, it'll be interesting to see, like, if it was something with, like, the fight feed where, like, they where they got color bars and got the sound back up, I guess. But uh, back to this main event match, it just was insane. Like, the the fact that everyone was like, is the Cody get a sunburn is just peeling? And then, like, like as soon as, like, everyone's like, oh, that that that's a flame retardant. Like, that was really kind of, like, Cody is going to, like, take his uh, lashes, and he's going to do what he can to get a reaction and get the crowd. Probably, it's probably an attempt to cheer him, but it's something that it works out really well for, like, these main event matches where, like, I mean, you, you get a lot of passion out of Cody, which, I mean, I think it works really well. He knows what he's doing, like, the whole thing about, like, kendo stick no sledgehammer no golden shovel yeah let's go with that fairy on the nose uh jose took it like a champ uh a lot of unprotected chair shots tonight which was really kind of fun here and andrade really it it's something that the political hit he's overcome that at this point he is the star that we were expecting and hoping for when when he entered the promotion and it's just rocks the fact that like they had like this kind of match it was a match that like it started so early i was like all right is there going to be some 
just like big show close angle like we're two weeks out from winter is coming are we going to build towards that no we just had to go set up a flaming table for the end spot there and brandy looked insane like she was so satisfied like pouring the lighter fluid and lighting the table that was like all right like i'm back aboard the the nightmare family again like this was just an unqualified win across the board for everyone involved yeah this will probably make my match of the year list I mean, I don't know what else you could want other than like a story that makes sense in some way. But if you ignore that, uh, I mean, everything about it rocked. You had tons of cool spots. It was it got more and more insane as it went on, like any good wrestling match should. There was fire. Uh, there was a completely inexplicable Brandy return. That's just like, OK, like, all right. Um also, I mean, it, maybe it wouldn't have been possible because, uh, you know, he has, as Nate said, a shoot fallen off the, the stage again. Would have loved to have seen Arn setting the table on fire. Like, I think that would have been a very funny visual. That, like, this will probably end up in, like, the second half of my match of the year list. Would have been, like, if, a top three contender. If, if Arn, Arn had, had one of those it. lighters that was one of a, was a gun, a Glock lighter, and he <laughs> yes. the table. Yes. If that had happened, this would be, like, a top three match of the year contender for me so look the cody thing i think everybody knows where i am on cody but if he just wants to do insane stuff like i i'm gonna enjoy it i'm not gonna just not like it just because i don't think what he's doing makes any sense so yeah set yourself on fire brother let's go <laughs> yeah I don't, I mean, where do they go now i don't it's gonna continue i have no idea what it, of course who it's going to involve or what it means or what even they're fighting about anymore. I have no fucking idea. Um, but, you know, just every, however many, just just as much as is necessary, he, Cody's going to pop up and go, hey, I'm just going to do something that you're not going to forget for 10 years. <laughs> and this time it's going to be uh, setting a table on fire and uh, in the main event of a random TNT wrestling show. Have we talked about Jose? Have we talked about... Uh, his bod yet on oh, this I, show? I said that he uh i think i said he looks like a future star jose yeah just ripped to shit so congrats jose one of the better twitter accounts in aw absolutely all right uh mike it's on you bud what was your elite pick from this week's episode so there was a lot in this like this was a weird show because like a lot of my negatives were like oh MJF on commentary just doing the cheap hit, cheap heat shit and not like actually going for cheap heat, just doing the lazy cheap heat. But the matches around it, especially he was out for the uh, CM Punk and Lee Moriarty match. I really enjoyed this Lee Moriarty match with CM Punk. It, it's the one that like for Lee, you could tell like he made the tweet earlier in the week that uh, CM Punk was his exposure to straight edge. And he became straight edge because CM Punk and he came out with the MF Doom styled mask. And it, it, it's something that each time Lee Moriarty goes out there, he is one. He, he gets over. He gets over every single time. He maximizes the opportunities and something that he's getting to a point now where like I think this was his second uh, dynamite appearance that it's just like, all right, why aren't we just seeing Lee Moriarty each week? Because he worked well with CM Punk, like CM Punk. And him, like Lee Moriarty, like the special thing about him, and one of the reasons why I was, I, at least amongst the three of us, like early on Lee Moriarty, is like this is a guy to keep an eye on. Is he is one of the more creative and flexible wrestlers that, like, he was able to kind of 
fit his style around okay cm punk and then cm punk like will like let him do the pepsi plunge and got a deep uh two count out of it and it just was a really like solid fun match and it was something that not even mjf just doing his shtick on commentary could ruin for me like this match in of itself was fantastic a little tempted to go Aaron Taub mode on this. It's on the, do it's on the, it, do the it. tip of my tongue. Uh, but I won't. I won't say it was fine. I'll say it was solid. Um, I don't know. This, this I think, was the one that most suffered by the crowd being seemingly unconscious to me. So that's probably why Mike and my experience differed, uh, especially because I'm a guy who usually cheats and, and reviews my matches based on how into them the crowd was. Uh, but yeah, the crowd, I could barely hear the crowd in this. Uh, they, they did pop a couple times for some of those more inventively Moriarty spots toward the end. Uh, but when you've got two guys in there who are like, you know, doing a solid, competent match and the crowd just doesn't have any fire, nothing to latch on to, then I kind of go, okay, it, you know, it's fine. So that's pretty much where I was with this. Um, mask is very cool. Uh, I, I do, I like, I like that they put Lee Moriarty in this spot and gave him this match. Um, you know, not only cause he's a guy who's obviously influenced by CM Punk, but he's a, you know, guy they're looking at building for the future. And, you know, they do a good job of taking those young guys and going, Hey, we're going to give you this big spot on dynamite and you're going to go out and you're going to wrestle a, a real ass match with CM Punk. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I, I I wish I had found more in it to be excited about. I like the match quite a bit. I'm probably I'm closer to to Mike than I am to Nate on this one. Uh, I'm still, and I hate that like MJF is pointing this out because I kind of I continue to be perplexed at why Punk has these long matches with guys who aren't established in the company. Like I just that is strange. Uh, to me and the way that I view wrestling, but uh, yeah, that's just that's what's going to happen. Uh, I will play this into. I know I'm a little out of order here, but our listener delete for this week from this is this is madness. I know, but I'm going to do it uh, from new new patron Jamie Wonders, who deletes MJF making Lee Moriarty out to be a no talent jobber, which I think is a fair point. You know, just kind of really going in on Lee Moriarty uh, when. As you pointed out, Nate, Moriarty's probably going to be an important guy in this company down the road. Yeah, I don't know. I think my issue with that more is that I think MJF's criticisms were correct, which is like <laughs> uh, CM Punk should not be going 12 minutes with every underneath guy on the roster. I think they did a attempt at kind of retconning that, rationalizing that, explaining that a week or two ago. Uh, they said, oh, you know, CM Punk's been out of wrestling for seven years. He came back. He doesn't have the same explosiveness, whatever it is. So he had to find new parts of his game. And that's why he, you know, kind of wrestles this more grounded, traditional style. I don't know. And he did, you know, his, his punches don't pack the same power. That's why he doesn't beat guys as quickly, which is, uh, you know, a decent job at explaining it, kind of. But, uh, you know, anyone with eyes can see the truth, which is just that they like to book these long matches and have CM Punk wrestle long matches with young guys. And that's that's Tony Khan booking to the message board audience who wants to go, hey, wow, on, on AEW, you can see a 12-minute match with CM Punk and 
Lee Moriarty, um, which are all valid things to do. Uh, but in the context of the text, in the text of the promotion, like, uh, you know, <laughs> MJF was just right. Like, hey, you know, Lee Moriarty is not a push guy in this company. Whoever else uh, Punk has wrestled, who was it last week? QT. QT, not really a push guy in the company anymore. Uh, Daniel Garcia, you know, not a winning guy as a push guy in the company. Um, so, but he's not wrong. He's like closer to right than he is to wrong. Uh, but it's it's a little weird to call attention to the your, to the flaws or the inconsistencies in your in your own show that way. All right, uh, my turn for my elite pick, and you know, well, I was going to say it wasn't particularly close, but I did love that last match. So, uh, but Sting and Darby versus the Gun Club, uh, amazing. I'm a little upset Nate because we've let off the show two weeks in a row talking about Billy Gunn so I think that would have been an easy way to get this show started but you know you have to make your own choices in life so uh, that's the road you've gone down we did also me and Mike also did lead off that world tour episode talking about Billy Gunn so (laughs) yes well he fucking rocks uh this match was great Sting was great Darby was great Billy and Colton were great um I don't know. What more do you want out of this match, out of any match, really? You got Darby doing these insane uh, jumps where he, like, uh, look, I I could have believed he snapped his fucking neck in two on that first one. But, oh, two seconds later, here he goes flying across the ring at somebody else. So that was cool. Uh, Billy picking up Darby by his pants. That was cool. Billy uh, feeling like it's okay to sell for Sting was cool. You know, he's, well, I, hey, I'm willing to sell for this guy. Maybe not Darby, but I'll sell for this guy. <laughs> uh, so that was good. You know, the only bad thing about it was we had the, uh, the sad end of the Gun Club undefeated streak in AEW. I guess it had to be this way, but, uh, you know, just I didn't want to see it. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, this was... I mean, this the beginning of this match was really like, oh, something is up because how is this crowd not going crazy for Sting like every other crowd that Sting has wrestled in front of? Like, Sting has wrestled a handful of matches. Um, and, you know, he's he's still got the presence and the charisma to go in there and do his couple of spots and do his appeals to the crowd or whatever and like you feel it and everybody goes fucking wild for it and you're sitting at home and you feel something in your chest and you go yes fucking sting um and that was a little bit lacking to open up here so i was like oh the one so the one to answer your question the one thing that i might have wanted uh was a great crowd or slash a great audio mix so that's definitely how i know there were different mixes because the crowd went nuts every time sting came in and for everything he did no, the only point at which the crowd really got up from for this, I think, was uh, toward the end of the match when Darby went, you know, fucking ape shit and <laughs> did that dive like you mentioned and land, seemed to land on his deck and then did that dive into Billy where he fully corkscrewed off him and, you know, flew five feet past him, uh, which was phenomenal. And <laughs> It's like, yeah, you're not going to fucking sell for me, guy. Well, you know, you don't have a choice on this one because I'm just really flinging my entire body weight into your, you know, uh, your shoulder and arm. Uh, so that was great. Darby and Sting, 
just a fantastic combination. Don't see myself getting tired of them uh, soon, if ever. But they did matching face paint this time. Sting did the skull face, and Darby did his whole face. That was cool. Uh, Oatgan said they should win a tag titles. I agree. They should win the AAA tag titles from FTR, and they should be the AAA tag team champions. God, that is, Nate, the best idea. Like, just imagining them versus, like, two-thirds of, like, PDN just makes me very happy right now. Like, like they, they, they have the energy of being a foreigner tag team champion in AAA so much. Like, that that, that would rock. Uh, this is just, like, what's Aaron, you're dead on. Like, what's there not to like about this match? It just was a great time. I'm very proud that I think we're now getting close to five straight episodes of putting over Billy Gunn. Like this is the new streak right now is how much, we're, <laughs> how, how many consecutive shows Billy Gunn is getting put over because it's just rocked. Like this was for all the reasons y'all mentioned it was a lot of fun. Uh, Austin has really gotten like being the second down to a level that is just really tremendous to see him like, like just being just eating shit. Like on that low pay, he just completely just, got drilled and just this was just like a tremendous time like i want them to find a partner so we can get the gun club versus darby sting and x we need to see who's going to join up with them to stop the gun club because they, they stopped two streaks tonight they stopped billy and colton's tag team streak colton's overall streak however the gun club the last time i checked are like 21 and zero in trios matches so they still have one streak remaining and I want them to beat them in this match. I want the gun club to go undefeated. They should be in the AEW trios tournament finals against the super click like that. It has to happen that way. Yeah. Austin gun should for sure pin no more BS Paul white in that trios match to protect. That That's story. right. It has to be Paul white. It has, because we still don't have any sort of uh, payoff for that. So Paul white's going Paul white and corpse paint just, it uh, just hits the dopamine. <laughs> receptor. Oh yeah. <laughs> in the right way right you can do it as a uh anti-vaping uh psa like this is what happens (laughs) when you play 18 hours of destiny 2 and vape okay the the picture in my brain of paul white and joker paint is something that like chris posts that where it also has his dick right (laughs) it's not like a real (laughs) right yes (laughs) it's not actually a picture out there with (laughs) no more bs paul white and joker paint oh so I'm not one that we can share publicly, yeah. No, no, we can't. But I don't know. Google it. I don't know how it's out there, but you can probably find it somewhere. Listener Elite, uh, Necrophilia? Philia? Necrophilia, get it? Oh, no. I, obviously, Nick, I didn't get it. Nick, <laughs> I think yeah. that's clear. Well, that's the joke. <laughs> okay, well. All right. Uh, also a new patron. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Uh, if you're a uh, if you want to get on Elite or Delete, you just got to be a patron. Get in the Discord and post them. If you're new, I'll pick yours. Uh, this one, Elite, Adam Cole coming out with his full entrance to get his huge crowd reaction and then walking right back up to commentary. That was great. Uh, I did laugh a lot. I wonder if it contributed to like the crowd being weird because <laughs> then they went into another angle with the confrontation. Uh, I'll roll this into my delete. Okay, let's roll this into my delete, which is... Oh, what a word. yours, right, Aaron? Okay. Yeah, but I'm, see, I'm doing it in the correct order because I was next up. <laughs> that was great. They did 
four different segments where they had this guest commentator up there and they got into some kind of confrontation with the wrestler who happened to come out on the ramp. Uh, and the Adam Cole one was the third of three. Is that right? Let me think. There was, there was one more after it because it was Team yes, Taz yes, and Leo. They, yeah, there was Leo. That was the fourth one. Yeah, and I think Adam Cole was the third one. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. If you came to this show to see Adam Cole, if you're like the big Adam Cole head, like – you're like, yes, I got my Adam Cole entrance. And then he went up <laughs> and didn't do commentary, just sat at the desk uh, and then did this silly little angle with Orange Cassidy that just like evaporated into an into a uh, commercial break. So that was curious. But yeah, the layout of this show where everything had to end with a, with a confrontation where they're doing a little skit on the ramp just made it feel very strange to me. Uh, this was compounded by the issues with the crowd I was having and just felt like one of those things where, you know, they don't have it on the whiteboard in the back where, where hey, we're going to do this angle or this spot on this show and we're not going to do it four times in the first hour. Uh, but they, in fact, did it four times in the first hour. Also, I don't think you need to do a guest commentator for every match on the show, for every segment on the show and have them switch constantly throughout the show. Just have. Two people do commentary or add Taz if you're going to do Taz. Um, but he, I, I'm not that happy with Taz's commentary recently either. So they've got to figure it out because uh, doing having entrances and guest commentators up and down the show just made for a weird vibe. And then you have too many heels on the desk or whatever it is. And it's all very silly. I, I, I'm now looking at the run sheet. Adam Cole apparently was going to be out for Warlow versus local talent. Like that was like, because he didn't, he didn't stay out for that match afterwards after that thing. So that amused me a lot. Yeah. Well, it's and, just, and, and why the fuck did orange Cassidy come out? To confront him. His for... music played. He walked out like he was coming out for a match or something. They have their confrontation and then everybody just goes away after it's over. And we moved on I to think... the next. I believe Tony did say Orange Cassidy doesn't have a match. So they were like, he is coming out here for the purposes of seeing Adam Cole, I guess. It's just funny that, you know, we've bitched for months about how they have a, you know, post match angle after every match, like an attack angle. And they're like, okay, we'll stop doing that. But what if now we just do ramp angles, uh, you know, before yes. every match? How about that? That was the energy. I'm, I was very disoriented by having everything take place on the ramp. Yeah, and especially considering that other than Arn, people were having issues. Like, like that's why I, when Arn had the issue with the stage, I was like, "Oh yeah," people were like, "Oh no," Arn's like, "No." So I forgot who it was earlier, but like someone almost fell off the ramp. Danielson almost I, fell off the ramp. Yeah, yeah, Danielson almost fell off the ramp. Like it's just like thing. I I don't know why they decided to do everything. Maybe it's the idea that the crowd will stay up if it's live and it's like leading into that. But then you've been doing it in the ring. I it, it makes no sense there. I I just like the only one that I ended up liking was Cole because Cole immediately starts in on Tony. Orange Cassie comes out and he's yelling into the microphone, "Don't look at me! Why are you looking at me?" And then he was apparently going to do the Wardlow and AC Adams match where he has no connection to whatsoever. But yeah, no, to just pick a. I know that with like Tony, because he's going in the ring, out of the ring for interviews, you wanted to have someone to Excalibur to play off with, I guess, maybe. But like you have so many people who you've pulled on, like Eddie Kingston wasn't on the show at all. 
he's been doing elevation like bring eddie on on commentary so you don't have to rotate and just feels awkward as hell hell chuck taylor's not doing any goddamn thing and he and excalibur have uh worked together on commentary before i'd pitch colt cabana but he's probably uh you know recovering from his dental surgery after last week and there's a cm punk match every week so that's true uh okay uh, mike i think it's your turn to tell us your least favorite thing from the show well nate covered like the one thing i really disliked uh so let's just go with the tony niece pre-tape tony niece has never cut a good <laughs> promo in his career uh, uh tony Khan's fascination of tony niece like hey buddy i watched all of dragon gate usa for the for a second or a third time last year i i got my fill of tony niece promos and let me tell you something not much has changed other than he uh, does not sound as laconic as he did before, but he's still not very good. Like, yeah, you're building the TNT title match, but like t- you have Tony Nese here. And the one thing that like Tony Nese, you really shouldn't do is give him a microphone. And it just was just like, Aaron, the fact that your line is, I'm going to beat you in the match that we are going to have. Like that was the energy of this pre-tape <laughs> and pretty much everything of Tony Nese in this promotion. And I'm just sitting here and I'm wondering, like, I want to see people like, try something new or people if they are people from wwe like like be people that's you know didn't necessarily get a short short or did not net they got short shrift they didn't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt i think tony niece pretty much had a pr- a pretty solid wwe career like that was to like his peak and his expectations here so why are we having to relitigate late era dragon gate usa and evolve like the premier unless we're getting the full premier athlete brand i don't know what we're doing here yeah i can't disagree with any of that um you know he didn't embarrass himself he didn't you know stumble over any words i guess but there was nothing to this (laughs) promo. he was like i don't know his his taunt is like hey you thought it was pretty bad when i put my knee in your ribs it's like, hey, well, you know, knee in the ribs is like a pretty common. Like when you get into pro wrestling as a career, you kind of have to expect that that's going to be like a good day when you get a knee in the ribs. Um, you know, this is this is a, a <laughs> profession where, you know, often you'll get set on fire or, you know, have to eat a bunch of thumbtacks. Uh, so a knee to the ribs is like really not anything to be upset about. But he's like, yeah, I put my knee in your ribs, and when we wrestle, I'm going to hurt your ribs even more. So that was silly. Uh, and I yeah, don't care about this match at all. Yeah, the Tony Nese thing, from a wrestling perspective, is like way more offensive to me than Bobby Fish or Jay Lethal. Obviously, they have their own other issues uh, that Tony Nese I don't think has. But it's like, Tony Nese has just never been interesting one moment in his life. Uh, The world would be much better off if, as I discussed on Light this morning, Vic Capri had just Bob Hollied Tony Nese's ass on Elevation, uh, just beat the shit out of him, and sent him packing. I think that would have been a better way to go. Instead, we got to watch this boring-ass match. I mean, Sammy made, uh, you know, whatever. What's like an idiom about making something good out of something bad? chicken salad out of chicken shit that's the one yeah, Austin. That's what, was, that's what i was looking for he did that with jay lethal so you know maybe you know there's been a lot of talk about the the political hit on sammy and uh, what he's had to put up with in these matches but maybe he just delivers again and then 
kudos to Sammy if he does. I, w- I mean, I'll take a Tony Nese match over a Bobby Fish match, I think. Uh, Tony Nese, he's got really big muscles. So, you know, he's not 50 years old. He he does a pretty impressive, like, running knee strike. Yeah, like, he, like he's got sick. some... He definitely has more cool moves. But you don't give him a microphone. Like, that's the thing. Like, that, that they just need you to have that happen at all. Yeah, that's why... That's why he had a whole brand behind him, so he wouldn't have to talk. That's right. That's why he had SoCal Val. It's not called the premier public speaker brand. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong, Nate. You're not wrong. All right. I guess it's uh, my turn to delete something. Well, it's going to be one of the two things that I always bitch about. I'm sorry, everyone. Ah, I'll just, you know what? I'm starting to be proven more and more right about this. So I'm just going to bitch about MJF again. He's boring. Uh, The shit that he's doing with CM Punk is like not interesting whatsoever. There's not even just like save the cult thing or shut the fuck up. That's it. He doesn't have anything actually cutting. His whole thing is supposed to be like, I will say the one thing you're not supposed to say, you know, like he did the thing about, uh, Brian Pillman's mom. He did the thing about Darby's uncle, even though, you know, that had already been discussed on AW TV. But he won't say the thing that everybody knows, I think, at least most people know about uh, CM Punk. So it's just this whole PG Punk thing is like just embarrassing. It's awful. And this went on. You know, he talks the whole match and then then they give him a promo after the match. Punk's got this goofy Larry David line. Uh, it's just there's nothing good about this about this feud. It's bad. No, it's not really working. I I think this one was worse than than was that last week. Yeah, uh, I mean last week's was longer, but there were at least some lines that got big reactions in it. Like they at least had some better ideas. Uh, the only thing in in MJF's commentary or promo here that did anything for me was when he acted like the CM Punk here was literally a different guy than the CM Punk that he grew up being a fan of. And he's like, where's CM Punk? I want to see CM Punk. That was the only thing that really didn't much of anything for me. The PG Punk thing is, you know, I guess you could say, oh, well, you know, he's a heel, so he can misrepresent and lie about things or whatever. But, like, <laughs> I'm, you know, Punk is out, is more... He can swear now. <laughs> He's clearly PG-14 punk now. PG punk was what he was when you watched him before, when you claimed to have been a big fan of his or whatever. So that doesn't work for me. Um, yeah, the Larry David thing didn't work. Uh, although there was MJF, again, MJF off mic funnier than MJF when he's on mic. Where he's like, no, you can't do the Larry David impression. I can do the Larry David impression. That was funny, but it wasn't on mic. Yeah. He, they obviously aren't allowed to address the Colt Cabana thing, so that's just not going to happen. Um, the, he did do the comment about his dog, and that actually got heat, but that's like the cheapest and laziest yeah, heat possible. It, well, yeah, it's not, it's not even cheapy, like, oh, you're saying something... I think you said fake cheap heat before, which I think was correct. It's like 
we know that you're not really offended and hurt by that. Like, obviously, <laughs> this was, you know, planned out. So it's just like, it kind of corny. It just comes across as corny. Like, oh, you insulted his dog. I mean, if you want to, if you want to get closer to the bone, the thing about Brit or Punk wanting to get in Brit's pants is like closer to having a strain of reality about it. Right. So that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But he couldn't even closer. go like all the way with that, you know, of like. Right. Because not everybody's going to pick up on what you mean by that. So, right. you know. If MJF really wanted to go down that road, like there is a way to make that cutting, I guess. But what is the fucking story of like, what are these two guys mad about? I I just don't know why they're mad at each other. Well, MJF felt disrespected that Punk did not mention him. And Punk just just got mad about his dog being brought into a storyline. Like that's the only motivation Punk has in the storyline is that MJF has said something very cruel about his poor dog. Well, let like, me, I, let, like Nate, was there a, another CM Punk th- like like spark there? Because like, there's no other like rationale. I would feel like. Yeah, um, Punk came out and disrespected MJF again by not shaking his hand or even speaking to him. So then MJF confronted him, and you know did the verbal teardown, and then I guess yeah, I. I Punk responded because it, it's just, it's got a very WWE vibe to it, um, which uh, you know has I think long been the rap on MGF, where I don't care for what MGF's doing with he's doing these pre-written WWE monologues or pre-written promo battles where you say your little line about John Cena's movies and I say my little line and we get the the crowd to go ooh occasionally or not care. Uh, he's much more interesting when he's either able to be actually transgressive and talk about dead Brian Pillman or whatever, um, or just like off mic and, and jawing with fans directly uh, and, you know, letting that more natural side of his assholishness come out. You know, the stuff where it's all very practiced, it just doesn't fit the vibe of what I think this promotion should be. I'll put over a friend of the show, Chris, uh, again, who had this point on Twitter over the past week, which was like, it's boring enough when a guy's character is, I'm going to steal the show with my matches, but MJF's character is, I'm going to steal the show with my promos, which is somehow like more irritating and just ha- has nothing to do with pro wrestling. It's just, it's dumb. It's mad. Yeah. No, I, I think he was dead on with that. I also think this is this is all exacerbated by the reaction that all of this stuff is getting outside of our little bubble, which Tab was also talking about, which is, you know, all the like, um, I don't know, mainstream or like, you know, in the business, your busted open radios or whatever will be like, oh, you've got MJF, who's, you know, a future legend, and you've got CM Punk, who's great on the microphone, uh, and they're going to have these promo battles, and it's going to be you know, this iconic stuff. And this was like most of the reaction coming out of that one last week, which again, the one last week was better than this one, I think, but it was, it was just long. Um, and you know, that makes it even more grating when you get a segment like this and you're like, ah, oh, now these people are going to say it was great. Uh, it's just not, <laughs> not working. Uh, and the crowd, that crowd didn't help that first one where the guys came face to face and they did like a holy shit chant. And it's like, I don't know, man. We're not quite there yet. Like MJF, great wrestler, a lot of confidence and poise on the microphone. Um, 
but you, you know, you, you compare to like the confidence and poise of like an Adam Cole on the microphone where he, he seems like very polished and composed, but it doesn't seem put on. You just see, you just see that little bit of difference. And I don't know uh, what MJF has to do to, to erase that, or maybe he never does. And maybe that's just his heel persona is always like, Hey, I'm the Miz media training. And, and that's why you're going to hate me. Yeah. I mean, he's 23 or whatever, 25. I think Mike or corrected me on this last week, but he's a young guy and obviously has a great chance to be very, very good at everything that it takes to be a pro wrestler. I just think we've got a little bit ahead of the game here on like crowning this guy as a legend uh, already. And, you know, if, if you have an opinion and then you hear that fucking Dave LaGreca or Bully Ray shares your opinion, you're, you should probably realize that you're wrong. You know, like that's probably a bad sign for your opinion. So if I have an opinion and then you hear Dave LaGreca say it also, so just somebody tell me so I can <laughs> fix it and not have that opinion anymore. All right. I did the, the uh, listener delete out of order because, you know, I can do what I want. And so we're through with Elite or Delete, and it's now time to run down the rest of the show. Kicked off with Brian Danielson versus Alan Angels. Danielson won with a knee bar after the match. Tony Schiavone again came out to interview Brian. He said he kicked Alan Angels' ass. Next week, there's a Dark Order member from Long Island. Uh, going to kick his ass in two weeks. Going to show the entire world that Adam Page is a one-hit wonder. There was a thing announced pre-show that Adam Page was going to be on commentary, and he was, but he was banned from coming to the ring. He couldn't touch Brian Danielson. So Page is like, fuck this. I'm going to the ring. Uh, John Silver stops him. He says, you can't touch Brian, but I'm going to touch Brian, which was funny. Uh, he ran to the ring. Danielson bailed. Says Silver's a joke. Uh, he faces off with Adam Page. says, you know we can't touch you. You'll get suspended. I'd love to slap you in the face but these jerks don't deserve it. And he left. This match. Yeah, solid match. Uh, this was another thing that annoyed me was not only did they have two of these ramp confrontations in a row, but they had, they were basically the exact same story, which was that the heel is a coward uh, and won't fight the baby face, even though the baby face is willing to hit him right then and there. That's exactly what they do in the next segment with MGF cowering behind Wardlow too. So it's really the exact same story with both Danielson and punk. And these underneath guys in the opening two segments of the show. And just, you just go, I just saw this. But this one did have uh, John Silver saying in a real pervy way, I want to touch him, which cracked me up. That, that, that was very good. Uh, this match rocked. And actually, I think Hangman on commentary was probably the most complimentary person building up his program. Just from like moments like right before the stomps were about to start. Heyman just like muttered at, at, at like the bottom of his voice, God damn it, right before it. And I feel like that that was, that showed like a level of pathos that you don't necessarily get from guest commentators. I thought that that was really kind of remarkable. And I I find it fascinating. And of course, AEW knows what they're doing with this because how much they have built this up, especially on Road 2 and then the uh, Angels and Omega 2 match. The idea that, Alan Angels is trying to pride himself as like the hardest out in wrestling and like that kind of undercard guy is something that I felt like is a little bit was missing a little bit with like how they build people up. Like you brought up uh, Lee Moriarty and, and Nate earlier and about how MJF's like, yeah, no, he made 
MJ Lee Moriarty look bad. He made huge. He looked bad by the comments there. Like Alan Angels fulfills like a different role that we don't see a whole lot in wrestling. And it's something like the last person who really kind of had this was like Tomaki Hanma. Like his role in New Japan as like the, the hard out, like the guy that's probably going to lose, but he's going to keep on giving it. And I like that it was one of those things like Danielson took care of Angels a lot quicker than Omega did. So that's going to be brought up in the future, but it still was an effort for him to get to that point. Yeah, Alan Angels, if they did if they did five versus five stable elimination uh matches in Corquin, Alan Angels would be the, you know, last guy remaining on the dark order and get, you know, massive reactions when he grits it out against, you know, whoever, the the bad guys. Um but yeah, I, I, I like the match. Also, Hangman had a funny line about Angels taking six years to graduate or whatever. Definitely strikes strikes a nice balance there. Well, Hangman was the only guy who they put on guest commentary who felt like a real person, like commenting on real things that were happening. Everything yeah. else, you know, you always talk, Nate, about MJF feeling put on. And that's like what all the guest commentary felt like tonight. It was just, let me put something on. Hangman just puts on his fucking cowboy hat, folks, because that's who he is. You know, there's an old there's an old Johnny Cash quote. He says, you know, we played country music because we wore cowboy hats, and now they wear cowboy hats because they play country music and uh Damn. that's and that's adam page uh you know he wears a cowboy hat because he's a fucking cowboy that's that's adam page uh and and mjf right there is the that I, distinction Goddamn, you're right uh the shit oh i do think that this story of danielson going through the dark order in each of their hometowns is pretty great i mean and danielson's great in this role uh, like we almost don't even have to talk about it because it's just so, so clearly done. The baby face is over. The heel is over. They're both phenomenal in their roles. Uh, and it is the main event storyline uh, for the big belt. So, you know, the, the really important things they're succeeding at with this story and with uh, their top guys here. Um, but they're just oh, yeah. so clearly, so clearly good. You know, uh, Danielson's fantastic playing this heel character, playing his heel self. Um, that you know, you you barely even have to comment on it, but I do <laughs> because we're so critical. Of a lot of the stuff they do, it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, the main event storyline is pretty great. No, th- this is fantastic, and you could tell that Brian Danielson's having the time of his life. Like, he, well, like as he's like cutting these promos of Tony, like, like he's someone who really does the eye smile, smizing. I guess is what it's called when you small smile for your eyes. Like, I remember like well, when I would like flip through like Snapchat and you go to and things is one of like the verticals on there is like you should smize with your eyes when you uh take photos there but like you could tell that danielson is having like a blast like he's cutting like this real shit eating heel promo and you like look in his eyes and he has like a twinkle in his eyes and you can tell that like he is having the best time and i think it's something that kind of comes through and you could tell that even though he's been playing just this cowardly chicken shit heel that like this is a program that just works all the way across the board and that's something that sometimes in the men's world title picture doesn't necessarily happen. So I think it's something that, I mean, they they have all the Dark Order matches. They've lined them up there. They will have four when it's over and then have the big match in Dallas. And I think that there's not anything, like I don't think they've put a bad foot forward in this program whatsoever since they uh, started putting it together after Full Gear. I thought they missed one trick tonight. And we talked about it on Light. 
this morning, Mike, which, you know, if you go back to last week, Page comes out in his gear because the week before he, he challenges Danielson to a match and Danielson begs off because, oh, you're not in your gear. I don't want you to have an excuse later. So he comes out in his gear and Danielson's new excuse is, oh, of course, well, I just wrestled a match, you know, so it wouldn't be fair for me to wrestle you now. And I know they did the thing where Tony, you know, banned Paige from touching him or whatever, but I just would have liked a comment from Paige of like, before the match, of like, I want to challenge you instead of you wrestling uh, Alan Angels tonight, but, you know, Tony has banned me from doing so. Just to keep that thread going in the story, I think that would have, I mean, it's like, this is not a huge deal. I'm nitpicking. It's just extra credit. Yeah, it would have been extra credit from me if they had kept that thread going. Well, yeah, also, I don't know that the live crowd knew that was a, a stipulation where he couldn't touch them all of a sudden because so, John Silver started peeping up about it, and it was like, well, why is this happening? We don't understand why they can't just go beat his ass. Yeah, they. I mean, Tony loves to just announce things on Twitter like a few hours before the show, and I'm not sure that always circulates to everyone, so... His Twitter is very funny. He started doing this thing where he, he tweets about individual segments as they happen. It's like, hey, Adam Cole, it's all about the boom. And he's like tweeting about it. And he's like, well, the segment's <laughs> over in two minutes. Um, but I don't know. I, he's trying to get some of those football followers, soccer followers to flip the channel, I guess. Uh, we had a Miro pre-tape. He's uh, a big white background. Uh, Nate, I loved your suggestion that he should redo the untitled how does it feel video because it certainly had that vibe at times well they did the exact shot where it was shot right at his waistline so you couldn't see if he had his trunks on or whatever you just got full glorious mirror upper body that's right uh he said he's been trying to figure out what to do and then a vision came to him thank you god for showing me you're an asshole now i will storm the gates of heaven and turn the floor red i don't know does heaven have a floor I thought it was like a cloud floor. Yeah, maybe so. I yeah, I like the fact floor. that it, marble. I I guess you're kind of a literalist about the afterlife, Aaron, because you did say that hell is made up of circles. So you you think there's a very <laughs> very concrete architecture to these things? Uh, yes, uh, streets paved with gold, my friend. Well, there you go. Streets are a floor. Ah, I don't know about that. Streets are totally a floor, Aaron. I don't like this. I don't like (laughs) this at all. (laughs) If your feet touch it and you're walking or you are moving, it is a floor. Streets streets are a floor. floor. Yeah. Okay, so is water a floor? Is the river a floor? Okay, Mike, you said if your feet touch it and you're walking, it's a floor. Well, you can't walk well, you, on you water. Walk on wa- well, I guess I guess you can in heaven because you're Jesus or whatever. That's right, bitch. But if it's but if it's frozen, you could absolutely walk on it, and you could walk on the riverbed underneath the water. So yes, and yes, the, they're both floors. No, I, I don't. I'm not with Mike on these. If it's a body of water, it's not a floor. It's water. It's different. I would define floor differently than Mike did, but <laughs> streets are definitely a floor. You, you, mm. you see, I just believe that if you're able to walk on it, then it's a floor. I'm well, being a literalist here too, Aaron. What if I walk on my hands? Are my hands a floor? CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty. Jesus Next. Christ. Punk you're, one. And you're, a, you're a lawyer? <laughs> the These arguments work in court? <laughs> you're goddamn right they do, baby. <laughs> I just had a 
I can't read it because yeah, I guess you have to sign up or whatever, but just had a big article oh in law.com today. On law.com today. <laughs> about your boy, A B. The, the, the printed the printed print edition of law.com. Yeah. You know, somebody as throw everyone on knows. A, the, the, the paper boy throw on a printed edition of law.com <laughs> on your doorstep. As everyone knows, I have a Google alert for my name. Uh, I mean, and I also knew because they asked me for a comment yesterday, so I knew it was coming. Uh, but I was like, God damn it, I can't uh, sign up for or I can't. I'm not going to subscribe to this. So then I find out, well, if you just sign up, they give you a free one, but you have to give a corporate email. And I just wanted to put like my personal email in. So I put like my email at gmail.com and they were like, no, they will not let you sign up with a Gmail. <laughs> it has to be uh, a company of some sort. I'm just stunned that there is a law.com. I'm still wrapping my head around that part there, boss. Yeah, law.com. That part seems pretty normal to me, I have to be honest. <laughs> I wish it was it's just law so literal. 360 because I, you know, I think our friend Aaron Talib, I think, worked there at some point. So I thought maybe he would yeah. know somebody who could get me a copy of the article, you know, but um, I'll never know what they said about. Uh, what's, about it, what's, it, uh, what's it about? What did you comment on? Uh, so I, I just, I won this case, uh, in the sixth circuit, uh, about, uh, consent, uh, among like, you know, whether a law enforcement officer can consent, or I'm sorry, whether an incarcerated person can consent to sex with a law enforcement officer. Uh, so I won this case just recently. And so I guess they were writing about it and wanted my comment on the case. So I wrote a couple of sentences. I guess I have to like kind of take back my crack about him being a lawyer with these arguments. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty poor argument. Um, Walk on your hands. I, I won 3 is all I'm saying in this, uh, wow. in this argument. Shut yeah. up. Shut reversed, up. Reversed the, uh, the district court. So yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Okay. Um, Punk, GTS, MJF, Punk said Needle Dick. Then we had Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel backstage with Tony Schiavone. Britt mad about the Riho thing, but she says they've all made up, and now Jamie is going to wrestle Riho next week. So they set that up. I liked how Jamie was like, you lost the Thunder Rosa too, and that shut Britt up, and she turned it to Riho. Like, that... I felt like was a nice way of kind of handling that there and made sense that at least within this group that Jamie has enough agency to say like, Hey, wait, you did the same thing. Don't act like you're that much better than me. And I like that aspect of the promo. And I, you know, that match should rock. There's nothing not to love about Riho versus Jamie Hayter. Yeah. Card for next week looks good. They've never had a singles match. Jamie Hayter and Riho. So first time. Uh, this is where the Adam Cole thing happened. Came out, Orange came out, they faced off. The Bucks tried to sneak up behind Orange, but he turned around. Uh, that leads to him getting low blowed by Adam Cole. The Bucks do the Orange style super kicks, and they hit a real one, set him up for a BT trigger. But Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta made the save. The Tony Nese pre tape. He says that he's going to win the match that he's going to be in. Then we had Wardlow versus AC Adams. Wardlow wins with four power bombs. After the match, Sean Spears attacked uh, Mr. Adams with a chair. But nobody made the I save. I do like 
that you know they're gearing up for the Wardlow turn at some point. So they're not afraid to let Wardlow just be a badass and kill a guy with a bunch of power bombs. And really, they're inviting that reaction where it's like it's becoming a thing that Wardlow does the power bombs and then keeps doing more of them. Um, so I just like that they're priming the crowd to be like, "Hey, you already kind of like this guy. So when we turn him, you're really gonna fucking love him." That's you know, good job laying the groundwork on Wardlow there. And the crowd loves Wardlow squashes. So like easy thing to do, you know, like they, they, they get up for any way that he destroys someone. So yeah, I, I thought this was all pretty smart stuff. And Sean Spears looked like a maniac. Pack and Penta were backstage and uh, we found out that Phoenix couldn't travel. So Pack is going to replace him in the rampage match against FTR. Nice eye patch there, Pack. Yes. Then we had Sting and Darby versus Billy Gunn and Colton Gunn. Sting pinned Colton with a Scorpion death drop. And then Jericho was backstage with Alex Marvez. Jericho's segments are always with Marvez. He's he's rarely with Tony Schiavone. Uh, He says he wasn't saving Eddie. He was attacking 2.0. 2.0 attacks him. That was it. That's what happened. Leo Rush came out. Taz was still on commentary from the last match. Leo tells is, Taz uh, he's a- Is Daniel Garcia going to get a singles match with Chris Jericho, do we think? It seems likely. Yeah, I could see I that. Like they're doing the... Tony's got the idea in his head to do Michael... Not Michael. <laughs> not Michael Nakazawa to do Katsuhiko Nakajima with Daniel Garcia, where Daniel Garcia just did like a speed run of all the Japanese greats in his first year in the business. And, and Tony just has this idea, well, I'm going to put Daniel Garcia against everybody. So, anyway. Him versus Jericho is a fascinating match. Just to, just imagine how it is. L- l- like, that is something that, like, just, like, Daniel Garcia going for, like, his various, like, chop blocks and stuff like that. Chris Jericho selling. I think I'm, I think I want that match really badly now that you put that in my head, Nate. Uh, way worse choices that Tony could have to have someone wrestle everybody. Uh, Daniel Garcia is excellent and his matches are Pretty much always great, so fine by me. All right, then we had uh, Leo Rush. He says, Taz, the commentator, it's his job to know about him. Uh, he says he's had the odds stacked against him his whole career. All right, Taz had done this thing about how a quarter of the diamond, the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale is going to be uh, Team Taz members, so they have 125. He tried to do the Scott Steiner promo. Came off pretty poorly, I thought. But then Leo says, uh, you saying you have a 100% chance of winning doesn't fly with me because that would mean I have a 0% chance, but I'm a fighter, and I'm not going down without a fight. Dante and Ricky Starks kind of face off with Leo, and I'm more con- I've always thought there was something weird off about this whole thing. I'm more convinced than ever that the Battle Royal Dante and Leo are back together in the Battle Royal. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, this was the most awkward of all the awkward ramp confrontation angles. Uh, Leo almost got the crowd into it with, you know, hey, I'm a fighter. I'm going to fight even if you think I have 0%. But I also, (laughs) Leo comes out and he's like, hey, I'm mad at Taz because you said I don't have any chance in this thing. I, I have a chance to win the whole thing. I don't think the crowd knew what he was talking about because the crowd didn't hear Taz's commentary about the Dynamite Dozen, right? 
Battle no, Royale. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So, that's, that's so Leo point. just comes out with, there's no context for the crowd whatsoever. Leo's talking about winning this thing. And then Taz is responding. Um, Taz doesn't really give him anything to work with, uh, which is, is a recurring issue in the multitudinous Team Taz mic battle confrontations they've been doing for eons. Um, so Leo's just like, I'm a fighter. I'm going to fight no matter what the odds are against me. So he got a little bit of juice out of it, even though <laughs> he was set up to fail and then Taz gave him nothing. It it's also something that like I look at like the Leo and Dante thing, like the issue then is that you don't win the ring next week. You they they go down to two and they have a singles match the next week. So like the overall idea of Dante and Leo being like, All right, we're gonna have you sleeper sell into Team Taz and then we will win the ring and, and that's a good investment for LBO Leo. Like they still have another match to get through, so they they'd have to prolong it. So unless like the finals end up being him or Dante and like Leo rush. It does not make a whole lot of sense. Even in that case, I don't know if that really works. Well, you could just have them do a good sporting contest against each other or whatever. Um, but, or you could do, Hey, uh, you know, Leo sacrifices himself to take out Will Hobbs in the match. So that leaves Dante and MGF as the last two or something, something like that could work where, for sure, you know, uh, they they still come out as more established baby faces through it. Yeah, and it also it, ends up. It, it, the real issue is, sorry, um, you know, Dante signed something. He has a contractual obligation to Team Taz here. This isn't like where he just shows up and he's in the club. There's some kind of paperwork that he has obligations and stuff. Dante, call me. I'm a pretty successful lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I can help you with that. Okay. I just, I don't know. I've just always thought something kind of stunk about it. I just wasn't sure what, but sometimes AEW just kind of has sort of half-baked ideas they go with. So I thought that was also a possibility, but now I just think, yeah, they're somehow going to come back together and they're going to be both baby faces when at like, when this all ends, like Leo, I, I mean, no, it wasn't like a insane reaction, but the crowd cheered him, you know, so I thought that was positive in that he kind of had been presented as a heel beforehand. And now it's like, OK, he can get over pretty easily as a babyface. All right. We had Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling backstage. We found out that Jade is going to be wrestling Thunder Rosa's student, Janai Kai, on Rampage. Of course, Rosa is uh, Jade's next opponent in the TBS tournament. And Nate, you're going to love this. Thunder Rosa is going to be on commentary since Chris Jericho can't be. Hey, if she's on for the whole show, then I'm pretty much fine with it. Uh, and I uh, am happy to have them give her the chance to do that. Do we think we're going to see Anakin Rosa in AEW at some point? Absolutely. I'm already excited about it. <laughs> it's a Anakin son's promotion. Rosa. Versus and Anakin Rosa is the ultimate son, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I agree. Anakin versus fucking uh, Pinkerton or whatever. What's Cody's kid's name? Liberty <laughs> Bell. Liberty. Oh, like fucking Wait, is that... Glow? You're right. Pinkerton's in there, isn't it? Pinkerton's Maybe one of the dog's dog. names. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the dog. Okay. <laughs> 
Pinkerton. That just cracks me up. The kid, the fucking, it just makes me think every time of that eastbound and down uh, scene where, you know, they're, uh, Kenny Powers is meeting his brother's kids and it's like, oh yeah, this, uh, she's named Rose after Miss uh, Rose, whatever. Now I can't think of her name from the Titanic. And yeah. Kenny Powers says, what's this one's name? Fucking Shrek? <laughs> 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 so, that's what i think of when i think about uh cody's naming of his dogs and children okay then we had chris statlander versus ruby soho this was the final quarterfinals match in the tbs tournament and uh stop me if you've heard this before but ruby won with a flash pin it was a victory roll after the match we had another ramp angle as chris went up the ramp vicky distracted her i guess Nyla came out of nowhere, attacked Ruby, because that's going to be the, the other semifinal match. And then Chris was able to return and make the save anyway. Really good match, I thought. Uh, the roll-up, instead of, like, Ruby does her whole finishing sequence uh, to Chris Stat, and then Chris Stat has to kick out of it, and then she gets her with the roll-up. So, you know, proving everything we've said about Tony just thinks if you do a roll-up, then it protects the person that loses. Because uh, then commentary went on at length that, oh, they were, you know, very evenly matched battle. They went, you know, 50-50. It could have been either woman's win. Uh, and it was like, okay, yeah, we get it. You 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 think Chris Stallander is protected here. Um, and <laughs> I found it all very grating, but good match. It sure would be a shame if someone got over in this tournament. Like, that'd be, that would be disastrous. That's yeah, all. I um, I, I kind of want them to like, I guess I, I was thinking about how, why people care who the champion is more in the context of like the WWE, because they have 600 belts and they change hands every two weeks. And it doesn't matter if you're a good wrestler or a bad wrestler or uh, an in-canon good wrestler or an in-canon bad wrestler, or any of these things. It's just like whoever wins it has it and everybody gets a turn, you know, they're all basically the 24 seven title is every belt, all the 500 belts in WWE. Um, but you just see so many people on Twitter or whatever, who like care so much about who has the fake belt. And I'm like, I don't understand why people care or why, how, how they're still managed to see belts as some position of prestige when that just doesn't, has been corrupted in wrestling for, you know, 20 years or whatever. So I would like AEW to do something to kind of like rehab that idea. Like why is it good or valuable or important for Adam Page to be the AEW champion? Like, you know, JR would always hit hard on the idea that he makes more money, which is, hey, at least a reason and at least something that they establish and push and everybody understands that having more money is good. Um Brit kind of has a thing where it's like, hey, I'm the champion, so I get to come out and talk my shit every single week without fail. I just like am always a featured presence on this show, uh, and I get presented as a star for that reason. But Brit gets that anyway, whether she's the champion or not. She got that before the, she had the belt. And then the Lucha Brothers are like, well, who has any idea whether they're on TV from week to week? Because uh, some weeks they're just not at all. Some weeks they get a pre-tape. This week we got one of them. Um so yeah, I I don't really have a solution for this. I just would like I don't know some some interview packages or something from these women to be like, 
here's why I really want to win the TBS championship and what that means to me and not just like, uh, you know, the same pattern bullshit about showing I'm the best or whatever. Just something about why that matters and why that's meaningful because right now I'm not convinced it does matter or it's meaningful because you're just going to be the, you know, the in the number two spot behind Brit. So. So I agree and disagree with you. I agree with you about the TBS tournament. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to mean anything at all whatsoever. I have no interest. Uh, I was about to say before you started talking about this, like, could I at least get just a personal story of like why I should be rooting for one of these people, regardless of the title? Like, why should I just want one of these people to succeed? But I disagree, I think, broadly, because I think the way they've made the the men's world title significant and mean something is because they've protected it really well. It hasn't changed hands that much. All the changes have made a lot of sense. The uh, the title reigns have been significant and long, and they've defeated all comers. You know, I think they've done a great job making at least that belt mean a lot. Now, with the women's world title, they have protected it in that same way in that they have long reigns and, you know, you get a lot of defenses and blah, blah, blah. But then they discard the former champion. So then you're like, well, wait, does this title actually mean anything? So I think different titles are a little different. The tag titles, I think they've done okay with, except the tag division just kind of disappears about half the time in the company. Uh, It's like, it's bizarre. You had like a year long young bucks reign and that didn't really establish the tag division more than it had been before. And you had expected that to, but the TBS title is just, it's a naked play to like well no we are paying attention to the women and we are doing thing with the women's division look here's a whole other title for the women i just think it's very clear that it is mostly like a pr move more than anything or like a here fans who don't like how we do the women's division here's something you can sink your teeth into but every pre-tape to build these matches for the tournament is like the same shit. It's just like, oh, I really want to win this match because it's a wrestling match and you're supposed to win and not lose. So here's what I'm doing. I've worked so hard to get here and all this stuff. And that's like everyone. So you can't give a shit about it when it's like Thunder Rosa is insanely charismatic, very easy to get behind. If she is winning this tournament, and I don't know if she is, you know, tell us her personal story. Like, tell us why we should regardless of this title, just want her to succeed. But uh, it just goes back to there being very little care given, uh, especially to the women's division. It's just another belt. Yeah, you're de- you're definitely zeroing in on the issue with the, with the TBS one and, and why I brought it up during this discussion of this part of the show. Uh, but really, Adam, Adam Page is probably a guy who is good enough at promos and is sincere and genuine enough and liked by the crowd enough that he could do what I'm talking about, which is really explain why it's good to be the champion or or why you want to be the champion or what it means to him and how it improves his life or his self-esteem or his standing or his wallet book or whatever, wallet book, pocketbook uh, (laughs) to be the champion. Um, you know, and it, um, I, I'm acknowledging it is a big ask. I'm asking them to fix, you know, the poor treatment and the poor protection of every other title belt in North America for the past 20 years. Um, 
but I think it, it might be valuable to do. Yeah, I mean, I think to the fans, it's just become a you deserve it. Like, I think the you deserve it chant encapsulates yes. what you're saying, you know, which is and like. I, and Adam Page is the guy who was like, no, I, I'm not taking that. I don't accept your you deserve it chant. Right. But I, I, that's that's what it's become is it's like, oh, the guy who we like, who like we like personally, we wanted to see win. And so now you're the champion. It's become very uh, parasocial in that way rather than. <laughs> rather than being pro wrestling. Yeah. I just think about like, you know, everyone, oh, I, Alicia Fox has to win the women's title. <laughs> you know, I'm so excited because my favorite Alicia Fox won the SmackDown title. It's like, well, everybody wins it. You know, she's going to lose it to somebody else. It doesn't change anything about her life or the show or your life or any of these things, except that she has a prop when she comes out, just like, you know, need to put some money in the bank as far as what actual what the actual meaning of being a champion is. Yeah, it's like it didn't mean anything that Daniel Bryan won the world championship. It meant something that Bryan Danielson was the top guy in WWE for a very small moment in time. It didn't change his life in any way, right? I mean, he just got stuck doing the same old shit except he was the champion. Uh, until he, of course, was too hurt to work. But yeah, hmm. interesting. This is uh, this is why you listen to the show, folks. This is why you give us five star reviews on iTunes. <laughs> so I read the two star review. He says we get worked a lot, buddy. This is we're talking about fucking pro wrestling. What do you want us to do? <laughs> I just think that as a as part and parcel of the MJF thing. Like, oh, you're supposed to hate MJF. Uh, it's like, no, yeah. well, I, I I want MJF to be. Really great. I'm like rooting for MJF. <laughs> anyway. Right. I mean, yeah, at the show, like I want to get into like, oh, we're booing. You know, I want to have fun, go along with the show. But like, I think that's such a weird thing to me that people do a lot about like when heels are bad and like their reaction is, no, you're supposed to hate heels. And it's like, okay, we're all adults. Can we just move on from that talking point? Yeah, I feel like we've talked about like X Pac heat since like 1999. Yeah, it's very different. It's it, and it's something that like we want him to be a like like the promos that that people say he's having, and it's just like that's not what like if you do like any sort of like criticism or like looking inwards, you're like it's not actually that impressive of a promo, especially considering the people he obviously tries to imitate in his promos. So is that being I, worked? No, that's uh, pointing out justified criticism. I feel like I'm saying to people, shut the fuck up. And they're saying to me, condition, don't criticize AEW. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what's happening here. All right. Well, we also have a Patreon. We would love you to join it and support us. Uh, we will give you lots in return. We have tons of audio over there. We cover everything AEW has to offer. Uh, we preview Dynamite. We talk about Dark and Elevation and Road 2. Nate looks at BTE when they don't skip a week like they did this week. Uh, we have a show called World Tour where we review Rampage. And lately we've been doing some news talk on World Tour. So we'll see if that continues. Yeah, I will say uh, we get a little bit of a chance to talk around the larger general topics on that world tour show sometimes because it's just an hour show that we're covering so we can you know hit the main points about it also we'll say 
because as Kara famously said, uh, Rampage is where they're going to do their own really good show, and Dynamite is where they're just going to do a good version of a WWE show. Consequently, I think we're a lot more positive on the World Tour show a lot of the time because Rampage is a really good wrestling show. Uh, so if you want to hear that, check it out. Yes, I, I did a tweet once. It was like every week I could my tweet about Rampage could just be host and host talk about why Rampage is the best wrestling show on television, <laughs> which is basically just what we do every week on that. Uh, we got bonus stuff coming up. We'll do some year end uh, awards type stuff. We'll have we've done that two years in a row. So we'll do our third year of that in December. Uh, I'm cooking on a show that is uh, about Starcade 83 as we come up on. Uh, AEW going to the Greensboro Coliseum. That's where Starcade 83 was. And I'm talking about the landscape of pro wrestling leading up to Starcade 83 more than about the actual show. So if you have any interest in the territories and uh, what was going on in the broader pro wrestling landscape in the early 80s, which is one of the most fascinating times in pro wrestling, uh, to me anyway, then you'll want to check that out. So it's patreon.com slash everything elite. We also have a discord. Uh, there's three tiers. So, you know, it explains on there what you get at all the tiers. So give it a read and uh, join us. We would appreciate it. All right. This week on Rampage, uh, I think Mike is going to be on World Tour. I believe you're going to have a guest on World Tour this week. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> I don't think Mike has found a guest yet, folks. <laughs> no, I have. I have. Okay. You just don't want to announce it yet. I respect it. Uh, uh, yeah. It'll be, uh, I'm sure it's being taped. Well, it's probably over by now. Uh, Jade Cargill versus Janai Kai, Sammy Guevara versus Tony Nese for the TNT title, and Phoenix and Pack versus FTR are the matches set for Rampage. Pentagon and Pack. Pentagon and Pack versus FTR. Pentagon and Pack versus FTR. I don't know. <laughs> I like the cadence of that at eleven forty at night. Yeah, fun, <laughs> very, fun very looking tired. show. Yeah, should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and then on Dynamite next week from Long Island, we're going to have Brian Danielson versus John Silver, the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale. I don't really, I never have known what the name of that match is, but it's something like that. Dynamite Dozen Ring, Dynamite Dozen <laughs> Battle Royale, is that right? Dynamite Dozen Diamond Battle Royale. For oh, Diamond might be right. Yeah, Diamond. Yeah. Uh, the Dynamite Diamond Dozen Battle Royal for entry into the Dynamite Di Dozen Diamond Final Match. <laughs> yep, I think that's it. And yep, has uh, to be it. And Jamie Hader versus Riho. Those are the matches that we know so far, and we're two weeks away from Winter is Coming in Garland, Texas, where we'll have that final match and Adam Page versus Brian Danielson for the AEW World Title. So, lots of exciting things coming up. Yeah, uh, uh, before we go, uh, UBS show, uh, I have not looked at WrestleTix lately. Do we think they break five figures on that at this point, or or have they already said like that they're not, like, or at least WrestleTix has said that they're probably not going to expand out the upper decks more? I am becoming an attendance pervert, but I'm not up on how much they've sold for the Long Island show. Be very funny if they sold 10000 and WWE didn't. Yes, I would. I would uh, enjoy that personally very much. Uh, but yeah, we'll be. I mean, I, we'll be tracking some of that stuff. It's interesting. You know, they the DC shows are going on sale soon, and we'll see kind of how those do in a smaller arena. But two shows, uh, of course, that's where the first Dynamite was, and they had like 
14,000 tickets sold or something to the first dynamite. So we'll see how that all goes. Takes is, uh, says they're set up for about 11.5K, and they're at about 75% of that at about 8.5K. So they, you know, about about 1,500 away from getting to five figures. Uh, I mean, I think the card looks pretty good. They announced a Danielson match. Uh, I don't think they've announced a Punk match, right? You just said the card? Yeah, not yet. They have not. So, uh, you know, Kenny Omega's not on the show. No Young Bucks match or Cole announced, correct? Um, That's right. Yeah, I think 55 figures is in play, but wouldn't be surprised if all the or the majority of the seats have already sold now. The, the the bummer is, and I'm looking at these two posts by WrestleTix, uh, they would be close to, because they WWE was at their, I guess they were the inaugural non-hockey event there at uh, UBS Arena in Belmont Park. 58.87. I, I'm not going to try to do math at near midnight, but I don't think that their uh, estimated setup and capacity could double up on WWE, but comes awful close if they sell out everything that's allotted at this point. Well, they've already kicked their ass, so they got that going for right. them. All right. Well, w. W. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. Uh, we have oh Twitter accounts. <laughs> I'm, I feel very bad and I'm very tired. So, <laughs> at Aaron, like the car. This, this is how Aaron powers through is the, the voices. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're getting the weird voices for me tonight. Uh, Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah, with two eyes. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating interview. Look, even if you want to say something mean about us, <laughs> just do five stars and then say something mean. We're still going to read it. So, you know. You'll still get to hurt us. You'll still get to inflict physical you damage. Have a, you've officially called too much attention to this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com slash everything. All right. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.